You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Today, we are beginning a series on relationships, and this is for everybody. This is for those who are single. This is for those who are married. This is for those who have people in their life. Anybody have somebody in your life you deal with on a regular basis, and uh, maybe you uh, feel fairly isolated. Can I just tell you, you don't have to do life alone, as my wife said. We want everybody. In fact, the amazing thing, no matter how dysfunctional your natural family is, and I'm not going to ask you if your family's dysfunctional, because here's the here's the encouraging and sometimes discouraging. All of our families are dysfunctional on some level. If you want to get encouraged though, read the book of Genesis. It's been a problem since the beginning. Like if you think your family has issues, just read, I mean, from, from, from the first two brothers that couldn't get along to, to the, the 12 sons of Jacob. I mean, everybody uh, that, that, that if, if you look at the first families, you see over and over uh, the results of what has caused brokenness in relationships. And the Bible calls that sin. It's what first separated us from God and broken our relationship with God. But it's also what affects our relationships here and now. And I believe that all of us are called to have, in fact, this is the, the series is called Relationship Status. Uh, but today's focus is having real Real and better relationships. Real and better relationships. I believe that all of us are are created for and called to have and grow better relationships. Uh, Here's what Genesis 2.18 says. In the very beginning, God had formed the heavens and the earth and and he filled the earth. And and, and as he's creating everything from the plants and animals, the ecosystem and uh, everything that he creates, he then does something unique when he creates humanity. He, He doesn't just speak a word like he did for everything else he made, but he gets down in the dirt and he forms personally, forms man in his own image and then breathes into man. This is what separates you and I from everything else in creation. As, as special as the trees are, as special as your puppy is, all those things in creation are good and created by God, but you are made in the image of God. You bear God's image. You are an internal being created in the image of God. You, are, you have on the inside of you the breath of God. You're created. And so he forms man and makes him a living soul, it says in Genesis. But as God's forming all the, that he's made, he continually says, day after day in creation, he says, it is good. But then he gets to people, he gets to man, the first man, and he actually says, it is not good. For the first time, he says something's not good. Here's what that is, Genesis 2, 18. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And as a man, I can attest, it is not good that I'm by myself. The first time my wife left me and the kids at home, and she came actually to visit her family here in Iowa, and it was actually when we just had the two boys, and before our daughter was born, the boys were little. I think my oldest, who's now 14, was probably, I'm going to say four years old, three or four, and it was a disaster upon disaster, because if you don't understand this, leaving dad at home is kind of like... like as a dad, you're on the team. Like there's, there's quarterbacks. You remember last year when the 49ers uh, got really far and then every quarterback got hurt and then they called up like the fourth string guy who's not played a live game in 25 years. And in his first play, he gets sacked. 
and gets a concussion and they take, you don't remember that. Okay, that, that was like one of two games I watched all last season. And this guy, he's like, it's his moment and he gets taken out. Listen, as a dad, sometimes you recognize, like you're on the team, but everybody's nervous when you're in charge. And, and I remember uh, the kitchen flooded within the first day. Uh, I, I took my boys for a drive to go get some ice cream and, and I strapped in the baby properly, but I forgot to properly strap in my toddler in the neglect of making sure that, and, and as I hit my first break, my son r- latches onto the back of my seat like a spider monkey and says, oh no, dad. There was more, but I get in trouble if I tell you the rest of the story. Uh, and so I called my wife and said, when are you coming home, baby? <laughs> it is not good that man should be alone. What does God say? I'll make a helper comparable to him. Now, of course, this is the first marriage, the first foundation of a family, but this is a principle that applies to every single uh, person, married and unmarried, that we recognize it is not good that we live life alone. We are created for relationship. And I just wanna talk to all of those who are introverts like me. I am naturally an introvert. Uh, Being extroverted is not good and an introvert bad. They're both good because it's how God has created you. It just means that when you're around people, you get drained a lot quicker. And it's okay. Like it's, some of you are wondering, my spouse is an extrovert. Why am I so depleted at the end of the day? And, and, and she wants to talk to everybody or maybe you know, your husband wants to talk to everybody and, and, and you're just trying to get home from church and they are, they, they are closing the house down. And so, so it's okay to be an introvert, but you still have to be that much more intentional about creating and developing relationships. Here's what Ecclesiastes chapter four has to say. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who's alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, verse 12, two can withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly or easily broken. A rope is made up of multiple strands tied and twisted together. A rope is not strong individually. The strands of that rope are not strong by themselves. They can be easily snapped, but their strength is in the twisting together, the joining together. And here's what this is saying. We need others and we need Jesus. We need others in our lives to provide strength to us and us to them. All of us need relationship. All of us have relationships in family, in work, in church, and in other areas. And this is why I mentioned the church, because the church is your family. No matter how dysfunctional your earthly family was, you were adopted into God's family. And can I just tell you, there's no perfect church because there's no perfect people just like there's no perfect family, but God has created us for relationship. And here's, I found this amazing statistic this last week that over uh, one person in their life will interact with and influence over 80,000 people. At some point over the course of your life, you have daily interactions and most of us don't recognize how many people we, our lives touch, how many people we encounter on a regular basis, but one person on average will interact with 80,000 people over the course of their entire life. So that matters that we have and grow better relationships. I, I, I don't think it's hard to say that all of us would want our relationships to get better. And there's usually a reason why they're not where we would like them to be. And usually we have a name that we attach to that reason. But can I just tell you today that for your relationships to get better, it doesn't start with them changing, it starts with you and I changing. 
Because here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, be, be or live peaceably with all men. That tells me two things. First of all, it's not always possible. I wish everybody liked me. I really do. But can I just tell you, not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to get along with you. That's okay. You've got to be okay with that because you will find your people. <laughs> but, but here's the other side of that. As much as it depends on me, no matter how somebody else acts or whether or not they ever change or no matter what they say or do, I'm called to do what I'm supposed to do in the relationship. And what I've found is most people, I, I've, I've counseled, I mean, probably hundreds of, of married couples in crisis and difficult situations over, over 20 years of ministry. And I've seen a lot of things that work and a lot of things that don't work. And can I just tell you, no relationship grows unless someone takes responsibility for what's not working and says, I'm going to take the first step towards change. All of us can think of how they need to change, <laughs> whoever they are. People we work with, our friends, our family, our spouse, our kids. We all know how they need to change, but can I just tell you our responsibility, because we can't control them, but we can do something about our response. We can break the cycle. Some of our relationships are in an unhealthy, toxic cycle. I'm gonna deal with toxic relationships in a couple weeks and, and, and how, to, how to have healthy relationships, how to deal with toxic things in relationships because these things matter. Uh, if, you'll, if you'll apply what I'm gonna share over the next few weeks, it will save you hundreds of hours of counseling down the road <laughs> and a lot of phone calls and a lot of things. Uh, anyway, um, but here's, here's what I want us to see. We are actually the average, they say, of the closest three to five relationships in our life. So what we value, what we prioritize, and actually our own personal growth, our walk with God, all of that many times is affected by the closest three to five people in our life. What that tells me is my relationships will either push me forward or pull me back, push me towards God or pull me from God, push me towards my God-given purpose or distract or pull away from it. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, he who walks with the wise or wise men will be wise. Did, did you catch that? The one that is wise walks with people who are wise. So, so I, I want to always be growing, always be around people that, that challenge me. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. If you're the best in the room, some of us are so insecure in our relationships, we want to be the best. We wanna be the most gifted. We wanna be the most talented. We wanna be the one who has all the answers. And if we're only at that place, here's what's happening. Our relationships are the lid, and maybe more importantly, we're the lid of our own growth because we're not willing to be challenged by people that are gonna push us forward in God. And that's actually what God has given us relationships for is to point us to Jesus, to grow our faith, to strengthen, encourage, and challenge us. Why in the world would God put me in an imperfect environment with imperfect people? Here's why, because we need growth. Did you ever realize those of you who are single uh, for, for a season and then you get married and you find out just how selfish you are when you get married? And then you have kids and you don't sleep anymore? And, 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 and then you get a dog and it's all downhill. Maybe I'm just telling my own story. Okay, um, but did you find out in relationship areas of growth that you need? 
See, if I'm just isolated by myself, I'm as weird as it is, I can be comfortable with my own dysfunction. And so I, I don't have to be challenged when I'm isolated. That's why some people don't like others close to them. They don't want more relationship because it causes them to be confronted many times with themselves and their own areas that they need to grow. All of us have a relational capacity. My kids have loved Legos since they were as little as I described uh, on my dad trip. Um, my, my kids have always loved Legos. And one of the things I've, I found about, there's some Legos that are like they have the little pegs on top and that's how you attach one Lego brick to the other. And some Lego bricks have multiple pegs and some Lego bricks only have two. They all have a purpose, but they all have different capacities. And in our lives, some of our capacities are like the Lego brick that has 15 pegs on it. And we're just making friends. My daughter's like that. Like anywhere she goes, she's best friends with somebody. Sometimes my boys, like, they're not like that. They've got their crew of friends that they play Fortnite with. Like that's, that's okay. They're, they're different. My wife and I are different like that. So some of us are, are two or three peg personalities and that's not bad, but we have to recognize that we have a certain capacity. And if we have a certain capacity, we need to be that much more intentional about those relationships we build that are close to us. The sociologists who study this say that most people, we all have the crowd. That's the 80,000, the people we interact with over the course of our life but we really only know the names of about 100 to 150 people. We can only know, that's why a lot of ancient cultures, like most villages, never grew beyond 100 or so people because that's, that's the community, that's the people you knew by name. But then you get closer, you get smaller. In fact, Jesus had crowds he ministered to, but then he would have a group, a larger group of disciples that were made up of like 70 and he would send them out to, to carry the good news to the cities that he would go to. But even within that, he had 12. He had 12 that he let get closer. He had 12 that he took his time with because you can't invest your life and time into 120 you can interact with, you can call sometimes, you can send a message to, but you can't really know more than 12 to 15 people as close friends. And some of us, our capacity is less than that, some it's maybe more than that, but, but here's the point. We need to value, recognize, and grow our most important relationships. And then even within that 12, Jesus actually had three. Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane left the, tw- the, 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 the first nine of the 12 behind and he just brings Peter, James, and John with him to his most personal moment as he cries out to the Father. As he goes and prays, Jesus would often just take those three with him, not because he didn't value the others, but there had to be somebody that got into the closest space that he allowed to get closer, that he, that he got to know at a deeper level than all the others. And if Jesus did that, how much more? I think Jesus probably has more capacity than anybody, but he modeled something for us, that there's relationships in our lives that, that require the most development and the most intention. And I wanna challenge you today as, as believers that we one, recognize what are the most important relationships in my life. Because some of us are better at building our business than we are with talking to our spouse. In fact, you may be able to give a business presentation to somebody and have no problem. You can, you can give a sales pitch. But man, the thought of praying with your wife terrifies you. 
quiet in here. <laughs> and there's moments like that where, where those, those most important relationships sometimes get overlooked and even neglected at the expense of something else. Now, do we need to develop those relationships outside? That crowd, the, the, the 12, the 100, the 70, whatever that is, yes, absolutely. But there's gotta be somebody that not only you know, but let you let them know you. That you become real with and you begin to take the time to invest in that relationship. I think there's two, three types of relationships. There's moment people, there's seasoned people, and there's what I would call destiny people. Destiny people are the people who are gonna be with you for the rest of your life. Seasoned people are there, they're good, they're valuable friendships, but they're there for a season of your life. And some people are just there for an event, a moment in your life, and none of that is bad, but you've got to recognize, am I trying to make a moment relationship a destiny relationship? Am I treating my destiny relationships, my marriage, my spouse, my kids, am I treating my closest friendships like they're momentary instead of investing in them for the long term? Am I careful about guarding? What's the difference between a moment relationship and a destiny relationship? Well, a destiny relationship affects your destiny. Not only are they with you for your life, but they're gonna be the people, the Bible uses this phrase, they're the people you're yoked to. It's, an, it's, a, it's a farming term, an agricultural term, where two oxen that were used to work a field would be joined together by a crossbeam, a yoke across their shoulders and their neck, and they were yoked together. And what would happen when a newer oxen, a younger oxen was being trained and developed, they would yoke it to a larger, more experienced one. And so that what would happen is the stronger of the two in the relationship, in the connection, would always set the course. That's why the Bible uses that and it describes even our, our, the people we're romantically involved with. And here's what it says. Don't be unequally yoked with somebody who doesn't have your values as a believer with an unbeliever. Why? Well, I'm gonna change them. Well, get them saved and then marry them. <laughs> it's really quiet in here today. Because sometimes we're so concerned with trying. Can I just tell you, if you're entering a relationship to change somebody, it's the wrong reason to enter a relationship. And I'm gonna give you some keys this month on how to date well, how to, how to have healthy relationships there, how to grow your marriage for those who are married, all of those things. But here's what I want you to see. I wanna be careful. We are called as Christians to love everybody. Can I just get that out there and make sure we're all on the same page? Like you are called to love every person. Amen, thank you. That's a good point, Brian. I appreciate that. That was, uh, yes, I, I agree with that. That was so good. Love every person. <laughs> we're all called to love people, but we're not called to be yoked to everybody. See, I don't hold anybody's past against them. In fact, sometimes somebody will tell me, oh, do you know what they did and where they came from and what they, no, no. I, do you know what I came from? <laughs> Do you know what Jesus saved me from? Do you know, I, I, I wanna extend grace, but here's the thing, before I let somebody influence my destiny, I will take a look at their history. So I, I wanna know how this person, that's why we gotta get to know people, we gotta let people get close, and we need to recognize sometimes there's people who've been in our life for a season and we're still holding on to that relationship 
instead of releasing that relationship to God. We're trying to control instead of trusting. So, so let's, let's get into some practical things today. I, I actually, I, I came across this passage and it's Matthew 6, and I'm gonna read it to you in just a moment. Matthew 6 is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Right after Jesus gives the Beatitudes, he teaches the crowd. And he gets to this part of the Sermon on the Mount where he deals with the secret life of the believer. And this passage is actually about a person's relationship with God, prioritizing the secret place over the public place. And, and it almost, this, in fact, this is probably the weirdest passage for me I've ever preached on in, in connection to relationships because it's all about just getting alone with God. But in this, there's gonna be several things I'm gonna give you today that are ways we develop and deepen our relationship with God, but these same principles apply to our relationships with people too. And, and why that's important, if you read, as you read through the Bible, you'll see that our relationship with God matters our relationship with people matters. In fact, God will actually say that if we say we love him but hate people, it's actually a contradiction. So, so how can we love God who we don't see and hate the people made in his image that Jesus died on the cross for that we do see? Uh, well, I know why, because we gotta deal with those people. <laughs> We gotta work with those people. We gotta live with those people. We gotta, and, and, and sometimes they don't think like us and act like us and, and, and we argue. I'm gonna tell you how to, how to help your communication because I think the Bible has a lot to say about, in fact, I think communication's at the heart of most of our growth and most of our challenges and relationships. But I believe that every relationship can get better and every relationship will be tested and every relationship needs maintenance. So the things I'm gonna give you in a moment are how we do maintenance for relationships, how we deepen them, how we grow them. Can I just speak to the guys for the second that, that you dated your wife and pursued your wife for a season and then you got married and date nights were over because now you caught your prize? Can I just tell you, if you wanna grow and have a healthy, life-giving relationship, which we're all called to, in your marriage, you keep pursuing her, you keep chasing after her, you don't just say we've arrived, but you keep after and investing in, you keep buying her flowers and telling her how beautiful she looks. And Are, are you with me? Okay. There's a recent study that said that women who carry a little extra weight live longer than the men who mention it. Make sure you're paying attention. Our relationships matter. And as we look at this, you know, if you feel isolated, can I just challenge you? Don't wait for somebody else to take the first step. I've been there many times. I, I, I just, as a course of my childhood, we moved a lot. I was only child, that was the first thing. And I had close friends, but they were far away geographically. My best friend growing up lived almost an hour away. So, so we had to be very intentional and strategic and there had to be a lot of planning in that. And, and, but, and, but I changed schools like seven or eight times. I, 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 there were a lot of transitions in my life. And so sometimes it was hard to connect with people. Can I just tell you, here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Well, I've been coming to church and nobody said hi to me. If, if you haven't been said hi to, 
first of all, let me say I apologize because we try to be friendly and welcoming and connect and, 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 and we want to be a church that's always looking for the one always reaching out, always connecting and growing. And we don't want to just talk to our people because we want everybody to be a part of our people. And so that's important to us. But can I also tell you, it's important that when you're in an environment that you take that step, connect with somebody. Don't wait for others, but you be the one too. Sow where you want to reap. Matthew 6. I'm going to give you, I told you I got points today. I'm going to give you this passage first. Let me read it. And we'll unpack it. Matthew 6, verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. In other words, the religious crowd, the Pharisees, prioritized how spiritual they sounded, but they were, he says, they have the reward. Like, if all they're after is impressing people, that's the best they're going to get. But, but the point of prayer is not to impress anybody. It's actually to connect with God. He says, so here's what you do. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you shut the door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think they'll be heard by their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask. So, so here he describes having and growing a real, can I just say, a better relationship with God. I've, I've been reminded many times in broken relationships with people, how the brokenness with people actually also points to a perfect relationship with a perfect God. The need you and I feel that's not being met by people is actually meant to point us as a signpost. It's meant to direct us to the only one who can really fill that need in our soul. God will use people. He brings people around us and relationships matter. But can I just tell you, there will always be a point to which our relationships disappoint us or hurt us or, or fall short because we are all imperfect people. But all of that, let it be a signpost to you that what you need more than anything else is not just a relationship with people, but more importantly, a relationship with God who fills, God who heals, God who meets the ultimate need of your heart. If you're looking for your spouse to complete you, you'll be incomplete. If you're looking for a friendship or a relationship to fill the void of your heart, you will never be filled until you find it in God. And you can have a real and better relationship with people. In fact, we're called to. You also can have a real and better relationship with the God who formed you and created you. And I wanna tackle both, if I can, with this passage. And I'm gonna give you just a few things. They'll be on the screen that I believe relationships must be, and I'm, I'm drawing from this passage that I just shared with you, and I'm gonna point back to it, but of course, it's about our relationship with God, but it's also these same principles will apply to all of our relationships. Relationships must be, number one, they must be intentional. What did Jesus say about growing our relationship with God? He says, when you pray, don't be like the crowd, don't be like the religious leaders, don't be like those that just try to impress people. In fact, be intentional, go into your room, shut the door, make relationship with God a priority. There has to be an intentionality to it. Most people I've found 
don't mean to do harm in their relationship. Most people don't want to have a bad marriage. Most people don't want to have bad friendships, but we simply are not intentional about the people in our lives. We're simply not intentional, myself included many times, about those that God has brought into your life and relationships, especially if we want those relationships to be closer and develop intimacy in those relationships, they require intention. Intention doesn't just mean we just go through the motions, we just check off the calendar box, we just, we just go through life, but we actually make room and we make time for those that matter most in our lives. We make room for our relationships and we make time for our relationships. You may have heard it said that the grass is greener on the other side, and I know that's the the sometimes the lie, especially I think it's been amplified by social media. Social media brings a lot of opportunities for relationship, but it also takes the place of many things that bring healthy relationship. Uh, that, and, and so here's what happens when we compare with other people. Like I know nobody in here, it's all the second and third service people. Nobody in here has ever compared with somebody else. You've never gotten on Facebook or Instagram and thought, I wish my kids were like their kids. I I, I wish we did more like that family does more. I wish I got along with my spouse like that couple gets along with their spouse. Can I just tell you, there's a story that doesn't show up in the picture. I love looking at family photos, going back on, and looking at vacation photos and uh, and seeing like, we we see the smiles and, and I remember some of the things, I remember the argument about directions right before we took that picture. I'm like, I don't want to smile right now. It's making me smile. I remember, I remember Christmas a few years ago with my kids. We, we always try to make decorating right after Thanksgiving a, a family tradition. And so we have certain ornaments that, uh, I, in fact, the ugliest ornament in our entire collection is the one that I make them put on first on the tree. And we actually rotate. Now it's a thing that my kids fight over, which is great. Uh, they fight over which one gets to put the ugly ornament on the tree first. And, and so we have this tradition. And, and one year I recorded the whole thing. And almost the entire recording was my three kids fighting with each other. But I learned a secret about editing. You can take out the audio and put pretty Christmas music over the top and it looks like everybody's getting along. It's amazing. It's great. Don't ever look at somebody else's highlight reel and think that's the whole story and feel like you're inferior. Every relationship, in fact, just like it's been said, the grass is greener on the other side. There's actually two reasons the grass is greener. There's two reasons. The first is because the grass gets watered. It's super deep. But the reason why things grow that are healthy is because somebody takes time to water, invest in, pour into. Maybe the reason that marriage is stronger or healthier is because they're intentional about growing their marriage. And you can do the same thing too. So don't ever look at somebody else and go, well, they, but here's, here's the second reason grass green is greener on the other side is because maybe there's a ruptured septic tank. And you don't know what's going on below the surface. So be careful not to compare your life with someone else. Number two, relationships require being focused. They require being focused. Jesus said, when you go to God, be intentional about it. Go to your room, set aside a space and a time to be with God. But here's what you have to do. Shut the door. Shut the door. 
If you and I are gonna grow our relationships to be the best they can be, we need to know how to shut the door on the world, on the pressures, on the stresses, and even sometimes on other relationships that are good and needed, but maybe they're not the most important in the moment. I think we're the most distracted generation in human history. We have an addiction, most people have an addiction that's incredibly and entirely acceptable in our culture today, and it's with our technology. If you don't know if you have an addiction to it, just leave your phone in the other room for a couple days and watch if you start shaking. (laughs) I've even realized that myself, like there's times where I go, why do I keep reaching for it to check it? And, 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 and here's what happens in moments where we're prioritizing, where we're spending more time watching and streaming and listening and playing and engaging with things and technology by itself is not bad, hear me, but is it taking the place of your relationships? We've all seen people and we've been those people where we see five people at a table having dinner and the family's having dinner, but nobody's talking because they're all on their screens. If you want to have closeness and relationship, turn the phone off, shut the screen down and take time with your spouse, take time with your kids, take time with your friends, take time with the relationships that matter most, shut the door. Technology is a great tool, but it's a terrible substitute. Can I just say it's also true of our relationship with God. We need to know how to shut out distractions to be able to focus on the relationship that matters most, number three, is we need to be, our relationships need to be vulnerable. They need to be vulnerable. This can be a hard one for some of us. Sometimes we're afraid to be real with others because we think if they really knew me, they would reject me. If they really knew who I am, they'd push me away. I've had people say that even in church, to say, I, 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 I don't want anybody else to know my story because they... We look at others and think, well, they're, they're much more mature, perfect Christians, and I know my mess. And I know my life between Sundays, and do I belong, and do I matter? And we start to tell ourselves these lies that keep us actually from being real. Can I just tell you, no relationship can grow where there's not vulnerability. Does that mean you have to be an open book with everybody? No, it doesn't. You should be authentic with everybody, but you must be transparent with a few. Be authentic and real with everybody. Don't be one thing for one group of people and something else with other people. If you're broken, be real about it and go to the source of healing, which is Jesus. If you're dealing with burdens, go to the burden lifter. If you be real with others, that's what the church is. It's a, we're a hospital for the hurting. If you can't be vulnerable in the church, where can you be vulnerable? Sadly, religion causes us, because of shame and guilt, to hide what we need healing most. That's why our groups are so powerful. They create opportunities for people to connect and build trust so that you know you've got somebody in your corner with you and you can begin to be transparent with a few. Say, hey, I'm going through something. I need help. We can be real. We also need accountability in that because sometimes we begin to develop a double life. And I'll just tell you, we are as sick as the secrets we carry. 
So we need people in our lives that we're willing to be real with, but also that can tell us the truth. We need people in our life that aren't impressed with us. That, that, that love us, but they're not impressed with us. They love us, but they're willing to tell us the truth. You know what? You were kind of a jerk yesterday. I love you, but what you said hurt that person. I need those people in my life that can, that can come alongside and say, hey, let's, this is an area we can grow. Now, now, listen, not everybody has that right in your life. Can I just tell the people in the room that feel like your job is to be the walking rebuke for everybody else? <laughs> They're not here. That's in the second and third service. You need to earn the right to speak into somebody else's life. But we need people in our life that hold us accountable, that love us and can tell us the truth. Those who are at home, your parents, as much as you may want to hide things from them, are on your team. They care about you. They're there for you. Maybe it's time to be real with them about the things that you are dealing with, you're struggling with. We need people in our life that, that can that can guide us, help us, that we can be real with. Psalm 32 describes what happens when we keep those secrets. I'm almost done. Psalm 32, verse three. I don't know if we have this on the screen. I don't think we do. When I kept silent, David said, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night, God, your hand was heavy on me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer, but then I acknowledged my sin to you. My iniquity I've not hidden. And I said, I will confess my transgression, my sin to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Here's the thing. You can go to God and be as real as you are with any other relationship. In fact, here's the thing. God sees everything anyway, and the God who sees our worst moments loves us more than anybody ever will. That's why the Bible says to confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But many times we have something that's getting in the way and we're hiding it and we're keeping it away and we're holding on to it instead of being real with God. Do you know what happened in the very beginning? We won't read it for time, but in the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, the very first thing they did was they hid. Their state and condition before that was it said they were naked and unashamed. But the moment sin entered into the equation, there was shame and they made for themselves covering. They made for themselves garments they could not cover. And all the time, we tried to medicate our shame. We tried to bury our shame. We tried to hide our shame and put on a mask. We tried to do all kinds of things, but all it is is just coverings that cannot really cover. And God comes and the first thing God said to them as they were hiding is, where are you? Where are you? God didn't say that because he didn't know where they were, but there was a brokenness in relationship and God said, I'm longing to find you. And maybe that's where you're at today and something's kept you from receiving from God. The last two points, number four, Jason, if you wanna get ready. Number four is our relationships require us being consistent. Jesus said, not if you pray, but when you pray. Not if you draw near, but when you do it. All of us need to build consistency in the relationships that matter most. It's not the big and spectacular. Have you ever tried to fix a relationship with a big vacation? Maybe you have. 
And he thought, if, I just, if we just get away, it'll all be better. But then you argued the whole time in the car. N- nobody in here. That's all, again, somebody else. And he realized that it's not so much in the big things, but it's in the consistent things where real change happens. It's not what I do occasionally that matters. It's what I do consistently that builds over time. It's the daily decision to invest in my relationships that matter most that produces compound interest over the course of my life with them. Vulnerability with consistency builds trust. If there's been broken trust in your relationships, then maybe that's where you need to start because trust is the essential ingredient to growing and healthy relationships, but it requires those two things. What I said, vulnerability, being real, not hiding, not being some... Listen, if, if you've had broken trust and maybe it's because of your own choices, can I just tell you, don't be fighting for what you have a right to, but say, I value this relationship enough that there's some things I'll say no to that I once said yes to. There's some things I'm gonna put away. There's some things I won't watch anymore. There's some things I'm not, I'm not gonna say I have a right to this because can I just be honest? When we break trust, we've lost that right. But we need to prioritize the relationship that matters most over something temporary consistency is what compounds over time. The last thing is relationships must be mutual. Relationships take both sides to work. Can I just tell you that sometimes we treat our relationships as transactional. I do for you, now you owe me. I will when she does. I'll apologize when they apologize. It's getting real. I'll forgive when they forgive. Somebody has to take the first step. Don't treat your relationships with others as transactional. What have they done for me lately? But treat especially your most important relationships as something worthy of investment. And most of all, your relationship with God. Here's what Philippians 2 says, we don't have this on the screen, but he says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above even yourself. Not looking only to your own interests, but to each one of you, look to the interests of others. And in your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ Jesus. What's that describe? What's the mind that Jesus had? Jesus did not wait for us to change before he came to earth. He took the first step. He didn't wait for me to get my life together before he pursued me in his grace and in his love. And because he pursued me, it changed my life. And the day I surrendered to Jesus, all of my relationships began to be transformed. But more importantly, I became changed. Jeremiah 29, 11 was God saying to Israel in a broken season, he said, I know the thoughts I have to you, for, for you, thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's what God wants for your relationships, to give them a future and a hope. But more importantly, he said, I want you to know that now you're gonna call on me. It's in Deuteronomy, or excuse me, Jeremiah 29. He says, you'll call on me and I will answer you. 
He says, you're gonna ask me and I'm gonna provide an answer. You'll pray to me and I'll be there. And he says, here's what I want you to do. He says, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart, 29, 13. If I lost a dime, I'm so sorry to anybody who's had any of our kids walk up and ask you for a quarter at church because the gumball machine is a big deal to our kids at River City Church. I don't, I don't know why. If I lost a quarter, I might look for it for a moment. I might go, oh, where is it? That was in my pocket. But if I lost a million dollar check, you better believe I'm looking for that thing. Lock the doors, turn the chairs, <laughs> flip the tables. I'm gonna find this thing. Do you know what the difference is? The value I assign to what's lost. I will seek in direct proportion to what I value. And when God says to seek him, he doesn't say, look for me like a quarter that you could take or leave, but seek me with intention, with priority, with focus, with passion, with pursuit, and you will find me. Some people go, oh, I tried it. I went to church once. I read the Bible once. I sung that song once. And, and we seek like we're seeking a quarter we lost instead of seeking the God of the universe who first took the first step. And he's calling us to know him. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. I wanna pray for you today. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.